Grace and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, I want to talk to you this morning a bit about repetition. In our faith life, repetition can be both a blessing and a bit of a curse if we're not careful, right? I mean, repetition is what allows us to recall the words to a favorite song or hymn when we hear a melody played and and we're uplifted by the message, even when we're not hearing the words. Repetition can be what allows us to, to face temptation by recalling those familiar Bible passages that we we committed to memory to help us with those struggles. And even repetition in a worship service brings us it brings us a level of comfort and certainty when, when life, of course, can seem anything but comforting and certain. But repetition can also cause us to become bored with things, right? I've heard this before. I don't need to hear it again. I still remember it. Okay, yeah, I know where he's going with this. The answer is Jesus. Well, I I know I just said all the syllables that make up the Lord's Prayer, but did I actually pray it? In fact, if we're not careful, just like that, certain things are repeated so often that the words just don't carry any meaning. Certain things are good to repeat regularly. It's good that we repeat the Lord's Prayer or the, the Nicene Creed, but if they're just coming out of our mouths without paying attention, are they doing us any good? And then there's the one we're actually going to talk about today, the blessing. I mean, to some of us, sometimes in our life, and I know I was guilty of this younger, the blessing is just words that mean the service is over. It's time for coffee and donuts. Friends, let's, let's fight against that today. Let's Let's renew our attention to a a particular and familiar blessing, one I'm sure you you hear week after week here, the one we call the Aaronic Blessing, and it was was called that because it was given to Aaron and his sons. And I want to look at the special impact that each part of that blessing carries so that we can remember each of those things and think about them every time we hear those words spoken. So to begin, let's, let's listen to the original blessing from number six. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. That's the word of our Lord. So we're going to look at this piece by piece, but to start with, let's let's look at the words before the blessing itself. The most important thing to remember here is these are words given to us by God himself, And, and not just any God, but the Lord, all capitals, right? So you remember when the Lord is written in all capitals like that in the Old Testament, it means we're using that that special name that that God revealed himself with to Moses. 
that, that means that he is the God of free and faithful love. Free and faithful. That is the God who's giving us this blessing. And that is the name used in all three lines of this blessing. It reminds us that God blesses us because he wants to. And we have security of knowing that these things we're saying aren't just well wishes that someone came up with at some point in time in history, things that we, we wish on each other, hoping they might turn out like have a good day. No, this was the Lord himself who gave us this blessing. And so we know that not only is it in his power to do all of these things that are in the blessing, he also wants to do them all. God will give us these things because he can and wants to. And now looking at the actual blessing itself, maybe you noticed that it has a very kind of rigid structure to it. It's three lines with two action words per line. And when you really look closely at it, you can see that God formatted this blessing to give believers a hint of the Trinity before he really had made that clear to people yet. You can see, as we look at these, the work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in each respective line. So let's, let's do that. Let's just step through the blessing and look how each line builds on each itself, or on the, the one before, and how they, they show the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to us. So first of all, the Lord bless you and keep you. Okay, again, you, you've heard that hundreds of times before, right? But what does it mean to bless? We say it so often, and we, oftentimes when we're speaking of God, but let's not lose sight of the meaning of, of what it means when God blesses us. So in this context, we'd say something like to, to confer happiness, to give prosperity to. We learn in, in, in catechism class that God the Father is responsible for our preservation, the preservation of this world. God is the one who pours out on us blessings day by day to sustain us. And that's part of his blessing us. Everything we need for daily life, food, clothing, shelter, and everything above and beyond that which the Lord gives us. Like it, like, like it tells us in the book of James, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. So our Father blesses us, richly and daily, as Luther said. And the other part of the Father's ongoing work is found in that second word, keep. God's act of protecting us is there. Our Father, as a loving Father, watches over and protects His children. He orders the events of this world to our benefit, primarily our spiritual and eternal benefit. And as he does that, sometimes he uses natural means to keep us, 
Sometimes he sends his angels to protect us, and sometimes he intervenes directly. Now, again, his, his primary interest is our spiritual well-being, but God doesn't let us suffer physically unless it's necessary, unless it's intended to benefit us in some way. We all recall that a familiar passage from Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. And so when difficulties and troubles do hit us, that doesn't mean that God's not keeping us. He is protecting us. We may have no idea how those particular difficulties will benefit us. It's just enough to know that God promises they do. And for every trouble that we do face in our life, we have no idea how many more horrible things God kept away. When you think about each day, how much God does for us each day and how many days we've had. Do you see how much love and care is, is wrapped up in just those, those two little words that we say so quickly? Bless and keep. Our Father does so much for us through those words. But why? Oh, good question. Why? Why should God the Father care at all about what happens to us? Why should he care for us, provide for us, protect us? Why should he even consider us sons and daughters? Okay, yes, he created us. But what have we done with that? After everything we've done with our lives, why would God care about us? How often have we doubted his care and concern for us? How often have we outright denied it? Thank God, you're not really taking care of me. How often have we grumbled that he's, he's not blessing us enough? God protects and provides because he chooses to, and, and we choose to tell God, you're not doing it right. That's just, that's just one example of our behavior towards our Father. For half of what we've done to our Heavenly Father, I would say almost any earthly father would have kicked us out of the house long ago, saying, you're on your own. Good luck. I'm not, I'm not talking about kids misbehaving when they're little, the, the, the aggravating kind of things that make cute stories later, like, like when they write on the wall with crayon or, or, or flushing your keys down the toilet, okay? <laughs> Pardon the, the extreme examples, but our actions toward our Heavenly Father are more like bringing home drugs and prostitutes. They're like willful acts of murder or theft against our own family. And this after countless opportunities to change our ways and do something different. If this is how we treat our Father, then why does our Father choose to still look after us? Well, as you can imagine, that leads into the second line of our blessing. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. 
Friends, where have we ever seen the face of God shine? Where has the glory of the Lord been revealed to us in the fullest? It's in that second person of the Trinity, right? Jesus. Every year we celebrate the miracle of his birth, but of course there the the glory was hidden. That, That manger for feeding animals in a stable that was probably just a cave he, he didn't look any different than the rest of us. I mean, sure, the angels announced his birth. That was a little different. But the circumstances, if you were to look at him, you don't see the shining glory of the Lord there. And yes, there was a, there was a peak of that glory at the, the Mount of Transfiguration. For a few minutes, Jesus showed it to a couple of people. But it wasn't... It wasn't visible when he was arrested. He didn't let it shine out during his trial. He kept it buried through his execution. But on the third day, after his resurrection from the dead, Jesus did not hide his glory anymore. It shone forth. And friends, it is through that glorious resurrection that we become aware of how gracious, that second word in this this second line, how gracious the Lord has been to us. When we say, the Lord be gracious to you, what does that mean? What What is grace? In short, grace is undeserved kindness. And with... I'd almost say that falls short, right? Because with God, it's a little more than undeserved. A a person who just wins the lottery might call that money undeserved, right? They They didn't work for it. They didn't struggle it. It just happened upon them. But what we get from God goes far beyond not meriting it. Not only have we done nothing to earn God's favor, we've we've actively worked to antagonize him. And yet he still shows us kindness. And so when we we keep in mind everything we've done to offend God, everything we've done to deserve getting kicked out of the house, so to speak, and then we think of everything he did for us anyway, yeah, it was all undeserved. We see God's grace first in that he decided to save us at all. He didn't need to. He was under no obligation to rescue the human race from its own mistakes. But that's what it means when it, when it says in Ephesians 2, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It was entirely his decision to become human, to allow himself to be born in those humble circumstances. It was his gracious choice to be arrested, to be tried, to be executed. His grace was fully evident in his suffering and his death to pay for our sins. And because we have seen the shining glory of Jesus in his resurrection, we know that Jesus is true God back from the dead, and we know that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And that means that the sins of each and every one of us are gone. God took the payment. 
And so that's, that's how, that's why. Because everything we've done, every action and word and thought against our Father has been washed away. He doesn't see us as our, our actions make us look. But he sees the perfect life of Jesus covering us. He can treat each one of us as a dear father would, taking care of us in all things, because God is gracious to us. And all of this comes to us, the grace of God connected to us through this, the final line of our blessing, where the Holy Spirit participates. And it says, The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Now, that, that first section there, the Lord turn his face toward you, that has been rendered a number of different ways in different English translations throughout the years. I'd, I'd say uh, if you were to try to read the Hebrew there very literally, it would be something like, the Lord lift up his face toward you. Not exactly like clean English, but you get the idea. Well, what does that mean to lift up your face toward someone? You could, you could maybe say, well, maybe it means to like, kind of look up at someone that's right in front of you and actually give them your attention. But, but in this case, it's, it's actually something else. And I would say even better. To lift up your face as a Hebrew idiom means to take it from being to a smile. Right? You lift up your face when you smile. And that's what we're saying. When we say the Lord look on you with favor, we're, we're asking God to smile upon you. And through the work of the Holy Spirit, we are looked upon God by, with favor, and we are given peace. Because the Holy Spirit is responsible for connecting us to those wondrous acts of grace that Jesus has done for us. In 1 Corinthians, we're told, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works through the Word of God and creates faith in our hearts. It creates that trust. That trust that what Jesus has graciously done for you is true. That your sins are forgiven and we are acceptable before our Father. And then creates that same trust that, that God is watching out for us, blessing us, and keeping us. Without the Holy Spirit to create that trust, the first two lines of this blessing would be meaningless to us. And the Holy Spirit smiles on us. He shows us favor by granting us this trust so we can appear blameless before God. And you think about what that brings. That we know for sure that you can stand before the Father without fear, but rather stand before him with joy because you know you are forgiven and that heaven, eternal paradise with your God, is the end result of everything and anything that happens to you here. knowing what's waiting for you, knowing how God feels about you, despite everything that might happen to you here and now, that brings peace. When the Lord looks on us with favor, we have peace. 
knowing that our destination is secure because of Jesus, knowing that we have a Father who provides for and protects us now in all things, what could we possibly have to be upset about? If God has literally everything covered, how could we not be at peace? It's a really good question because I manage to do it every day. (laughs) I manage to not be at peace every day. We do still struggle with this, don't we? I'm not saying this like some sort of absolute... We manage, because, we manage to not be at peace because I, we, we, we struggle to fully trust. It is a weakness of faith. There's no beating around it. It's a lack of complete, perfect trust in God. If, if we had that, we wouldn't need Jesus to forgive us. We'd already be ready for heaven. So, I mean, that's just understandable. The solution when we find ourselves struggling and and not having that peace we should have is to let the Holy Spirit strengthen our faith, to go to the place where he promised to be to strengthen our trust, which is God's word. Every time we are exposed to God's word, he has promised to work through it, to strengthen our trust and build up our peace. The more we stay in his word, the more we're exposed to it, the stronger our trust in God becomes, and the more his blessing of peace is poured out on us. And so it's through this whole blessing, all three lines, that what the Lord said at the end of the reading is true. His name is put on us. We were all baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? We've been adopted into God's family. And and remember what the Lord means when he says, my name. When he talks about his name, he's, he's not just talking about the word Lord or God. God's name is everything about him. And putting his name on us implies ownership. We belong to him. All his holy qualities are planted in us when he places his name on us. And, in a way, his reputation goes with us. When you think about it, if you, if you call yourself Christian, you're literally carrying the name of Jesus Christ on you as you go in this world, right? We are God's representatives on earth. The world judges God based on our actions. And so even though we're never going to do it perfectly, let's just be honest, we strive. We strive to live those outward lives beyond reproach so that God's name is not tarnished by our actions. Friends, some change is good, right? Sometimes new things are exciting, but it's also good to have things you can count on no matter what, time and time again, day in, day out. No matter how often we repeat them, God's blessings do not fail. Everything he promises us in this blessing is renewed in us, not just once a year, but but every day. And those blessings are made all the more sure by remembering it's God himself who gave us these words. 
And so I ask you today, refocus on the words God speaks to us. When you hear these words at the end of your services, don't let the amazing message crammed into those few short sentences slide by you. Whenever you hear it, remember. Remember the work of God the Father who blesses and keeps you, providing for you and protecting you in all things. Remember the work of God the Son who shined on us and was gracious to us, dying for our sins simply because God chose to love us. And remember God the Holy Spirit who smiles on us and gives us true peace by giving and strengthening our faith in God and in everything he's done for us. Brothers and sisters, be at peace knowing that through all of God's work, you have his name placed on you and you are adopted into his family forever. Amen.